From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 130 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian, Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, producer, and good friend, Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Michael? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you. You must be excited that you're seeing the return of two of your favorite characters, Sam the Eagle at the Regal Eagle in the American Pavilion at Epcot, mm-hmm. and Jar Jar Binks on Disney+. Plus. I'm very excited about Sam Eagle at Regal Eagle. And mm-hmm. uh, I, you know... As as many ways as we can throw the Muppets in everywhere, you know I am always going to be okay with that. I hope this is the start of the next Muppet revolution that happens in Walt Disney World. Uh, however, as, as someone else pointed out on, on Twitter way back when that first kind of came out and stuff and... I thought was hilarious and completely true. It's why do Muppet characters just get relegated to restaurants? And that's it. Seems a little bit, a little bit uh, offensive to them. They deserve a little bit more, but well, it's like they don't know what to do with them. I I, I mean, Disney will never figure this out. Hopefully, they'll with the next show on Disney Plus, they'll figure it out. It's and it's not even difficult. It's do anything with them. Just don't not use them so i'm okay with the restaurant yeah. but uh it's yeah it's it's gonna be cute the fact that there's merch coming with it too like you can't get much better than that yeah i'm not thrilled but <laughs> i just feel it, it ruins the theming i don't like the name regal eagle we had a revolution to throw out the regals so i i find regal eagle offensive the the historian in me I thought, I you know, it's just because they thought, oh, it, it rhymes. How cute. Let's name it that. And no no thought beyond that went oh, into this. Yeah, but we're <laughs> yeah. about to uh we're about to embark on an era of of Walt Disney World and Epcot where there isn't a lot of thought put into anything. So, the, I think mm-hmm. we're going to come on the uh backside of all of this and realize that this was one of the uh, smallest little changes that actually uh, ended up aging better than some of the other ones. Yeah, I suppose. Anyway, we'll see. But I'm glad that they're they're um, the the menu sounds intriguing from what I read on the Diz because um, I, I think they just posted the menu and it looks really good. Never so go I'm bad. Excited with, about that. And never go wrong with good barbecue. Mm-hmm. I agree. Let's hope it's good barbecue. anyway well speaking of thoughts what are your thoughts on the oscars disney got a handful of nominations yeah they should be very proud of the nominations they did get and i i'm proud of disney uh i the the big one that sticks out to me is i i solely believe that that frozen 2 should have been nominated over toy story 4 in the 
best mm-hmm. animated category. Uh, it to me, it I I get that Toy Story has a lot more nostalgia and a lot more age and a lot more respect than Frozen gets. But uh, I also with with the animated category. I don't look at just what was the most entertaining, what had the best script, like you know, things that are important, but I look at animation really on a on a technical level and how how they used animation to to bring the story to life. And did they do did they do the story justice with the technology and, and the choice of the animated medium? Because it, you know, it's one of the things that Rhino and I point out all the time is that while Marvel movies are incredibly fun to watch, and uh, in, a lot of times it doesn't feel like they take full advantage of how insane the superhero moves and stuff can be, because it's they literally we live in a world where CGI dominates so much they can make them do whatever they want, but they they still pump the brakes a, a little bit here and there. But with animated worlds, it there's really no bounds, and you know, it, take take a look at Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse from last year, and that's that was the complete opposite of of what they're doing in live action superhero movies, and in this medium, they were able to really stretch the bounds. So yeah, of course it deserved it deserved all the praise and the wins that it got, and so that's how I look at the movies when it's going into for for me toy story 4 it's just the story didn't serve itself as much as i thought it was an entertaining and fun film and i i've watched it multiple times and i i laugh i i cry i enjoy it but to me it's there it just didn't it wasn't fully developed with the story and then needing it as an animated film to serve that. I thought frozen too, with the leaps and bounds in terms of the, the, the design of the environments and such, I thought that was a better example. I think a lot of the choices that were made this year in the animated category outside of Disney missing link, uh, in, uh, um, the, how to train your dragon three. I, th- I think they're great, great choices and uh so frozen 2 was was the big one that kind of stuck out to me that annoyed me and beyond that uh you know just little ones here and there i'm so happy for ford versus ferrari uh getting in as best picture under under the fox umbrella but disney mm-hmm. uh i that was one of my I, I, that was one of my favorite movies of the year i think it might actually be in my my top five of of 2019 i just i was blown away by how much i ended up enjoying it and i didn't think i'd i'd really care about it that all going into it but uh so i'm I'm happy about that i think there was definitely an argument that just because of the culmination of everything that happened with avengers endgame that maybe it deserved a, a nomination for best picture kind of like how with the lord of the rings series uh there's no doubt that Fellowship of the Ring is is the best of the movies, but uh, they waited until Return of the King to give all the praise to everything that came before. I feel like they probably should have did that as well with Endgame and paying respect to Marvel, but didn't. So they, there was a lot of strange choices in there for me, and you know, going beyond even Disney, there was a lot of weird choices. But you know, it's I. I still think they should be proud of the nominations that they got and they might not get a lot of wins, but 
they should still be proud of the nomination. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I was I was happy to see Kit Bull on there for best mm-hmm. animated short film and all that. Probably so. will be one and of the course, few wins. So yeah, and of course I know you're rooting um, under best makeup and hairstyling. You're rooting for Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Uh, it, you know what? No, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I can't even lie. I, I thought about it for a second, but no, I'm, I, I'm not going to. Lie. Uh, yeah so anyway well it'll be interesting to see how many oscars they um walk away with so yeah, on whatever day that is i think like february 21st or so and yeah I, oh yeah oh i think i just found february 9th Febu- yeah. it's that early it's that early sunday february 9th on abc wow so. i it is never that early but Okay, I will. I will add it to the calendar now of uh, my must-watch TV. But yeah, I, I it's it's definitely. I, I in my opinion, it's going to be a rough night for Disney in terms of in terms of its wins. Like I, I would love to see. I've already said Ford versus Ferrari. I thought was incredible. I would love to see a win for that. I another one of my top five was Jojo Rabbit. I would love for that to win Best Picture, but I don't. I don't foresee that happening. I think that was just a, a nice nod that that you know it, it did a good job of what it was set out to accomplish. But there's just been so many great movies this year, and you know it's the Oscars. There, there's so many people snubbed throughout all the categories, and that it's it, it really. I know that everyone can't be nominated, but uh, it it really makes it in some ways makes it seem like the Oscars aren't as important as as a lot of people try to make them out to be. But it's I, I'm I'm going to enjoy the show nonetheless with no host, of course, because they're doing no host. Of again. course. <laughs> so, yeah, too bad Ricky Gervais not is not going to host it. I, if <laughs> he brought follow up to the Golden Globes, if he brought the same energy that he did to the Golden Globes, I, I'd be all in. So I don't always agree with stuff he says, but you know what? He put it all out there. So he did. I thought it was very refreshing. Of course, I didn't watch Golden Globes because I wasn't I wasn't interested in watching politics. So I um, but I I did see all over you know the interwebs his um comments and all that which i found very entertaining yeah so. <laughs> but anyway well i uh just let folks know i will be at the walt disney family museum this saturday uh, to hear a talk by disney and dreamworks animator tom sito about his book uh eat drink and animate he talked to uh people who worked at disney and pixar and dreamworks and other places uh, and asked them for their uh, favorite recipes and he compiled this recipe book and all that which is really fascinating I have it so he's going to talk about that and and the people and and everything and you know people talk about why this was in the book they also share why this was a special recipe for them and stuff like that so it's an interesting little book not very expensive either very so if you're there please be sure to say hello in past episodes, we've enjoyed going back in time to Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom to talk about how we would use our ticket books of the era. As part of our celebration of Disneyland's 65th anniversary this year, Craig and I are going to visit the Disneyland of May 
1967. To hold our belongings, so when you ride the more thrilling attractions, we've invited my colleague from the classic Diz Unplugged Disneyland Edition podcast, Tony. Welcome back to Connecting with Walt, Tony. I'm so excited. I love going to Disneyland every decade or so with you guys. It's amazing. <laughs> Isn't it great? Yes. See, now for me, it's my old stomping grounds because I've been at Disneyland since the park was two years old. So um, so it's fun to go back in time. It's and interesting because for me, I'm thinking, wait, if we keep doing this, we're going to get to the point where I know stuff. Um, I know. Now we're getting close. We're getting we close are. now. We're getting really close. <laughs> we are. And what's f for me, though, this is the Disneyland at its best. You know, and so, you know, we chose to return to Disneyland of May 1967 because it saw the opening of both Pirates of the Caribbean and New Orleans Square. Although, you know, Haunted Mansion isn't open yet. So maybe a couple more years, it's Disneyland at its best. You know, and but this is also the new Tomorrowland, Walt's shining vision of an optimistic future. This Tomorrowland would be the Tomorrowland Walt had always wanted but had neither the time nor money to build in 1955 this iteration of tomorrowland was a great leap forward with the debut of the people mover the rocket jets the carousel of progress but it's not open in may of 1967 it didn't open until july 2nd so i i wanted to throw a little twist into this and of course there's adventures through inner space but this was a free attraction, and it did not require a ticket until 1972. So I know we're all going to go on that. Now, now, other additions to the park included new dancing natives and two new gorillas on the Jungle Cruise. And the Arebus Brothers opened a glass shop on Main Street at Walt's Invitation after he saw them in a Spanish pavilion at the 1963-64 New York World's Fair. Walt had personally developed and approved all of these changes, but sadly, he was not there to see them open. Now, in 1967, Disneyland's annual park attendance was 7.8 million guests. The park was open approximately 312 days and was closed on Mondays and Tuesdays during the off-season. Hard to imagine that today. So that's when they did all their maintenance. So that's why we never saw maintenance in those days. Um, the average number of daily guests was 25,000 um, people. <laughs> when, today, it would seem like the park was empty. If there were only 25,000 people in it. Um, I would pay a lot of money for, for that crowd. Well, well, some people do. <laughs> the, yeah, those, now, yeah. Those ticketed events. Yeah. I know. Uh, this was an increase in ticket sales from the previous year. And there were 59 attractions, exhibits, and arcades open in 67. So let's fill up our family car for 30 cents a gallon and head over to Disneyland. Now, after paying the 50-cent parking fee, we'll ride a tram over to one of the outer ticket books. We'll take a $20 bill out of our wallet. Now, that's plenty for everyone in a family of four. So, so a family of four better get the 15-ride ticket book just in case. 
Ticket books in the summer of 1967 cost between $3.50 and $5.50, depending on the age and how many tickets you wanted. So this included the price of admission. And if everyone happens to want to ride a couple of additional big rides, e-tickets are only 75 cents at the various ticket booths inside the park. Individual D tickets are only 60 cents each. C tickets are 35 cents. B tickets, 25 cents. And A tickets are only 10 cents. So Craig, do you want to tell folks what what they'll get in their ticket books um, in 1967? Absolutely. We can talk about it. So we have two different options as as we're going to go through here. As Michael has already mentioned, we have we have the deluxe 15 ticket book as well as the big 10 ticket book. And and both seem like they're they're very amazing. But uh, it's not it's not just about what they look like on paper. It's about what's inside. And with the big 10 ticket book, you get your admission to the park. Lovely. And a selection of attractions. In this case, you get one A ticket attraction, one B ticket attraction, two C's, three D's, and then three E's. And on that deluxe 15 ticket book, you get your park admission once again with one A, two B's, three C's, four D's, and five E's. Ease. So, in this situation, uh, we we all came to the conclusion that we also want to have money for for food, souvenirs. Uh, I think Michael wants to buy at least three balloons. He said, "I could have been wrong and uh, misheard him in that." <laughs> yes, but one of uh, <laughs> one of each color. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so we want to make sure he has money for those balloons. So, in this scenario, we're actually going to go with that big ten ticket book. Also because, you know, we need a little competitiveness here and make it a little bit more fun for ourselves. So we have to make those choices extremely dire. But let's go over what we actually have in, in this uh, ticket book that we're going to have. So with the A coupon, you have one choice on my, on Main Street. There's the fire engine, horse-drawn streetcars, horseless carriages, surreys, or the omnibus. And in Fantasyland... You have a choice of between King Arthur Carousel and Sleeping Beauty, Sleeping Beauty's Castle. So the B coupon, which is good for a choice of one, we have either on Main Street, Main Street Cinema, in Fantasyland, Mad Tea Party, Casey Junior Circus Train, Motorboat Cruise, or in Adventureland, a Swiss Family Treehouse. For our C coupons, we have two choices in this one, and that's between on Main Street, the Shooting Gallery. In Tomorrowland, the Tomorrowland Jets, or Tomorrowland Autopia. In Fantasyland, Peter Pan Flight, Alice in Wonderland, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, Snow White's Scary Adventures, Dumbo Flying Elephants, or the Fantasyland Autopia. Frontierland Shooting Gallery, Indian War Canoes, Mike Fink Keelboat. We're in Adventureland, the Big Game Shooting Gallery. Lots of choices there, but not as many as the D coupon, which we get a choice of three from. And on Main Street, we have the Disneyland Railroad, trains through Grand Canyon and Primeval World. Great moments with Mr. Lincoln, but that's free to children, so I'm not sure if any of us are playing children in this scenario. Uh, <laughs> in Tomorrowland, Flight to the Moon, the Disneyland Railroad once again, the People Mover, Skyway to Fantasyland. In Fantasyland, well, you can imagine, probably Skyway to Tomorrowland and the Storybook Land Canal Boats. 
Frontierland, the Mark Twain Steamboat, Tom Sawyer Island Rafts, Sailing Ship Columbia, Mine Train Through Nature's Wonderland, the Disneyland Railroad once again. And for our e-coupon choices, we have three. We get three of them here. In Tomorrowland, we have Submarine Voyage, the Monorail to the Disneyland Hotel and Return, in Fantasyland, Matterhorn Bobsleds, and It's a Small World, in Frontierland, the Pack Mules Through Nature's Wonderland, in New Orleans Square, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Adventureland Jungle Cruise, as well as the Enchanted Tiki Room. So those are the players, and now we have to make some choices. Mm-hmm. So, Craig, do you want to, in the past, you've guided us through our selections here. Do you want to want to do that this time, too? I can absolutely do that, and it would, uh, it would be rude of us right. to not let our guests go first with our selections and and of course we have to start at the very beginning and and take it all the way to the end so that means we're going to start with our a coupon that we have each one of us has (laughs) one of them and uh the options very and these are these are yeah and these are the ones that you always came home with (laughs) the ticket books you always had a and, and sometimes even b coupons left over in your book depending upon which one you bought <laughs> so. did you keep those as a i mean i'm guessing you kept those as a kid did you or yeah it yeah I, I never threw them away i know i have them somewhere i have okay. ticket books with just a coupons in them. <laughs> that's amazing well in this scenario you can feel free to li- just leave your uh, tickets on the table if you want. You can pass them on. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I'm going <laughs> to think forward thinking in the future. This is this complete ticket book from 1967 in mint condition. I'm putting it in a hermetically sealed container, and I'm just going to go home. Because I foresee okay. how, cra- how crazy Disney fans for 50, oh, 50, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, 50 years from now will spend a lot of money on this. So. Wow. It was fun. See you guys later. Yeah, thanks for being here, Tony. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now I don't know what to do. So I I get to co- I get to go right. <laughs> I get to choose. Yeah, yeah, you do. Get to <laughs> yeah. Choose. <laughs> okay. I'll go ahead and and use my tickets. So I'm going to pick for my a coupon. I'm going to pick the omnibus, and the reason I pick the omnibus is I'm not a big carousel or castle guy and i like the idea of i've maybe been to disneyland a couple times by now because you know we've had our few of these episodes and now i'm starting to look into the details and i can sit up high and see things maybe from a different perspective that i haven't seen before and plus just sitting up high outside on the bus is exciting Mm -hmm. it's an excellent choice it's not what i'm choosing on my last trip to disneyland I, yeah, my last trip to Disneyland, I, I uh, took my granddaughter on the omnibus for the first time. We sat on top, it, and it was a great ride. It's so exciting to be outside and up and driving. Mm-hmm. What about you, Michael? What are, what are you going with? You know, I am going to choose the Sleeping Beauty Castle walkthrough because these original dioramas, they were designed by Ivan Earl. And he was the production designer for Disney's 1959 film Sleeping Beauty, but but they were based on his concept art. And so they weren't necessarily 
how the film looked when it was released. So I remember as a boy walking through it thinking, these don't quite look like the film. And of course, back then I didn't know who Ivan Earl was and I didn't know about concept art and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But I remember these being gorgeous. And then in 1967, they redid them so that they looked more like, uh, you know, the windows of the Emporium on Main Street. And I thought they looked like big Barbie dolls. And I was so disappointed in them because I enjoyed the original diorama so much. And the current version harkens back to the Ivan Earl style. So so I'm very happy with the current walkthrough. But I would love to go back and see the original Ivan Earl designs of the dioramas in the castle. That's so Craig, what about you? What are you going to use your coupon for? In, you know what? I thought long and hard about this. I think I would actually use mine on the horse Tron streetcars, which is a choice that I don't believe I've ever made before. And something that actually goes very against character for me, but I, something lately about seeing the horses moving up and down main street just it sticks with me a lot more and it's one of those things i i feel like i i overlook at disneyland a lot of times and just take it for granted that it will always be a part of disneyland and that could easily be something that they just acts for for money and or caring for the horses etc so uh i I'm going to learn to start appreciating the horses a little bit more and and ride on the streetcars that they're pulling up and down. And it's a nice leisurely way to get around Main Street as well. Yeah. You know, my granddaughter enjoyed the omnibus so much, I had decided that every time we go to Disneyland, we're going to ride a different Main Street vehicle. You know, at least yeah. and so at least once. So I thought, you know, the horseless carriages will be even. She doesn't remember the, probably that we did ride them at one time, but but she was very little. So that's why I thought, yeah, I'm going to take her on the horse-drawn streetcars. You know, um, next time we go. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think it's a good choice, in my opinion. But that is just. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I think we all made good choices. We used our A tickets well. We did, but we have to move on to our B choices now. And Michael, we'll start with you. Okay, this is. I went back and forth because I thought, you know, I could do the motorboat cruise, but you know, I have vivid memories of the motorboat cruise, and and uh, boredom is one of the strong strongest memories. But um I'm gonna I'm gonna mosey on over to Adventureland and climb the Swiss family treehouse. I this is something I I I don't always do it when I'm at the Magic Kingdom, but I do it a lot. I I just always find this so remarkable. The engineering of it, the construction of it, the creativity of it, uh, all these rooms perched up there, the whole water wheel, bringing the water up and all that. It's a marvel. It is wonderful. This is one of my favorite live action films. I mean, it's maybe right behind uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Treasure Island. And and uh, I just find this remarkable. And I'm so sad it's not at 
at Disneyland anymore. I yeah, it's Tarzan's treehouse and all that, but I don't know. I don't find that as interesting. Maybe if the figures in it moved a little or something, but um, I, I don't know. I I find the original treehouse much more inspirational and a much and, and it tells a much more interesting story to me. And I remember being amazed by it when I was a boy. And and I always found it entertaining how much my mother complained having to climb up it because I always insisted in going on it. So <laughs> anyway, so that's my yeah. choice. Yeah, I also thought about uh, going with the motorboats, but then I watched a video of it, I think for the very first time, and I don't understand it at all from the the Mm -hmm. video that i watched like it just it makes no sense to me why that was ever a part of disneyland and uh so i i couldn't i could never use my b coupon on it i would feel like i was ripping myself off and you know i don't in 1967 i don't i don't think i'm a mad tea party fan and as much as i love the main street cinema i think I think I'll get some of my thrills out of the way with the Casey Jr. Circus Train. So uh, it give me nice little view all around Fantasyland and get a little wind wind in, in your hair as you're moving along and and you know it's it's got those light thrills because maybe I am a child so I get that that free pass into great moments <laughs> with Mr. Lincoln later. But yeah, I I think it would. Yeah, I, I would be close on Swiss Family Treehouse as well too, but I think I think the one I would mostly be be called to is Casey Jr. But what about you, Tony? Mm-hmm. I'm going to join Michael at Swiss Family Treehouse. One of the reasons is because, if I'm not mistaken, it had opened only five years earlier, 1962, so it was relatively new. Mm-hmm. And then also, as a kid who doesn't remember building a fort or having the tent on the couch in the living room? I remember doing that with my son, Andrew in the room and just the idea of creating a livable space in some place that isn't supposed to be a livable space and how much fun that is. And then going up in the treehouse and seeing all the different like uh, Michael was saying, all the, the different ways they were creative in what they used for plates and cups and just all that is really, I still love it. And um, also, little side extra bonus, you technically get to control how long you're on that attraction, depending how long you stay there and look and people don't bother you. So I would pick the Swiss Family Treehouse. Yeah. Oh, you know, and I always thought, you know, everybody always wants to, you know, oh, they want to sleep in the Disney dream suite, you know, and all that stuff. And, I, and I've been in there a couple of times and it is it's it would be a wonderful place. But, you know, what? I always thought I would have rather slept in a Swiss family tree house. <laughs> so, and I'm sure it would have been horribly uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. I just thought on a nice, warm Southern California night. That would just be wonderful. And I know all the noise that goes on that they have to do around there at night to get the park ready for the morning would keep me awake and it wouldn't bother me. I just think it would be amazing. Hmm. And they could hoist my food up on the pulley. Yeah, they'll probably get a (laughs) private ticketed event now. So if they're listening, (laughs) that was your idea. Yeah. 
Anyway, yeah. And the motorboat cruise, I, I, the only thing I could think is they put it in there was because they needed younger children rides. It's basically a topia on the water, but less interesting. Uh, I remember the last time we wrote it was it was um, when they had the Disney afternoon overlays. Yeah, the gummy there. bears there, right? Gummy bears, yeah. And I remember my son and I were in it, and they were that age for the Disney afternoon. They watched all those shows. And my son and I are going through there, and, you know, they were just plywood, basically, cutouts. But I thought at least there was something to look at. And our boat broke down. And so a cast member had to get in in another boat and push us through the attraction. And this is on in its final days before they closed it. And I thought, what a fitting way <laughs> to, to sort of end end, end this. Because you know, I knew we would never be on it again. So just what a fitting way to end you know, my my um, history with this attraction is to have to be pushed through it. <laughs> That is a fit in it. But we have to move on to our C coupons now. And again, on this one, we get two this time around. And I'm going to actually nominate myself to go first in this instant. And I am going to make my first choice as... I'm going to choose Alice in Wonderland for my first choice and just I'm going to mostly pick it because a who doesn't love Alice in Wonderland and B we all know that how amazing the attraction is, was, will always be. And then the fact that you see the, the cars moving outside, it's just going to draw your eye right to mm-hmm. it. So definitely Alice in Wonderland for one. And then and this is this is the original attraction. Yeah. This is not like the version we know now. Yes. This is where you have the upside down tea party and stuff like that. So this is a very cool version of it that you'll be seeing. Yes. And I wish I could see it for real. And I know you have the memories of it. <laughs> and uh unfortunately mm-hmm. I, I was still just I wasn't even a thought. So I can't even try to play that game. <laughs> uh but then the other other ticket, you know, it, some of you might say it's a waste out there, but I'm gonna go with the Frontierland shooting gallery. So I'm young at heart and I, I wanna I wanna put my skills to the test. I'm still living in a, a post uh you know, we're we're out of the post craze of Davy Crockett, but I still got a little wilderness in me, and want to do my best when it comes to shooting. And and even though there's other shooting galleries on the list, I, I feel like Frontierland is just it's where you you get your classic shooting in. So I'm gonna go Frontierland shooting gallery for my other ticket. Mm-hmm. So those okay. are my Sounds choices. Good. Yes, and. Uh, well, we'll go next. We'll go with you again, Michael. Oh, okay. This was tough because there is some really good attractions for the C coupon. And I, I'm sure all of you out there are shocked I'm not choosing Tomorrowland Atopia. But um, I chose, I, I figured I had to choose one of the Fantasyland attractions. And based on last week's show, I had to choose Snow White's Adventures because I, you know, I have to see the original 
you know, and and if you've not listened, if you're new, there are your to the show listen to last week's episode because we talked about the history of the snow white attraction and it is very different from the attraction you know today and i would like to see that one more time and uh, because it's it was scary and snow white wasn't in it at all you the writer was snow white and so it was a whole different point of view and and um, so it, 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 I, I would love to go see that again. And I, you know what? I was one of those people. I was one of those boys that I was in the Cowboys and Indians. And, uh, you know, that Westerns were huge on television, on the screen. I was watching those reruns on The Wonderful World of Color of the Davy Crockett films and i i'm gonna mosey on over to frontierland i am getting and i think i say i've said this every time we've done one of these shows i'm getting on those mike fink keelboats these were one of my must-do attractions whenever i went there from a little boy until they closed they had the skippers on this or whatever they called them um they had a better spiel than even the Jungle Cruise skippers, and they were, and they had a rivalry, a hilarious rivalry with the um, the the guys that because it was all guys at the time who paddled the Indian War canoes, and it was it was hilarious. They'd have this banter back and forth with each other as they passed each other, but uh, and the other cool thing is these Mike Finn keelboats, of course, they're based on the Walt Disney Davy Crockett television shows that were later made into feature-length films, you know, Davy Crockett's Keelboat Race and Davy Crockett and River Pirates. These were free-floating boats in the rivers of America that went around Tom Sawyer Island. Of course, it was named after Mike Fink, king of the river, who lost the keelboat race. And you'd sit on benches either inside the cabin or the roof of um, the keelboat, which ultimately turned out to be a design flaw um but these are the keelboats used in the film the, uh, walt brought them out from the film put them in the river went around they weren't quite designed to hold um guests on top which created some problems and anyway i love this attraction and that's what i'm using my other ticket for and and I, I'm ready to start the Mike Fink, you know, uh, uh, reopen, the bring back the Mike Fink keelboats campaign on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Many people will join you, Michael. So, uh, Tony. I think so. Yeah. Tony, what do, what do you got for I, us? I promise I'm not. Yeah, I promise that I'm not just following Michael. However, the Mike Fink keelboats, as someone who never got to go on them, is one of the rides that I always think of when I think of old Disneyland that I didn't get to, ex to experience. And it's one that always calls out to me whenever I see a picture or an article about it. It's fascinating. It's just for some reason in my head, that Disneyland nostalgia is that ride. And I can't explain it. Just a feeling. I know that I do like the fact that you get to be on the water, but not in one of the, I don't have to work. Right. And I don't have to be one of the huge crafts. So I get a little bit closer and I just, there's, I hate to get all like emotional, but there's just a feeling of, Oh, if I could have been back then and gone on that ride, maybe similar to, um, 
the uh, mine train, same, I, not, to, not singing it, not right. I didn't say that wrong. Correct. I'm getting confused with the new one, but, um, the, uh, help me out. Guys. Mine trains through nature's wonderland. Okay. Thank you. Yes. I got a little scared. Like, wait, am I saying the wrong thing? But no, um, those two, for some reason, speak to me as nostalgic Disneyland that I wish I could have gone on. And then Michael, you just explained how amazing it was. How you got to go inside and outside and all that stuff. So, and then also the fact that there's a human, there's the human element, there's the water, there's the movement. I like all that together. So that would be my first one. My second one, this was very challenging for me. I will never choose the shooting gallery because I'm horrible. So maybe in <laughs> 1967, I was a better shot, but 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, no. So I went ahead and decided I'm going to go on Dumbo Flying Elephants. And really, there's no reason other than it's Dumbo Flying Elephants. But I love the rides. If you remember, I think the last one I went on the um, the jets, the rocket jets. And I like the, I'm kind of scared of heights, but I like where I'm controlled and it's a little high so I can see some things. But I feel safe. And just the whimsy of the ride. I still go on it now. Of course, you have to wait forever. And I'm sure then the line wasn't as long, but um, I just love the Dumbo Flying Elephants. It's an adorable, cute ride, but also you get to fly in the air. So those would be my two. Good choices. Everyone had good yep. choices. Yes. and uh, But we're going to continue on, and now the choices are getting tougher uh, because we're getting to even better attractions. However, I agree with Michael. Sea uh, coupons definitely were one of the strongest ones because you could have just chosen everything out of Fantasyland. Uh, I mean, literally, yeah. just, uh, all of that and it'd be fine with it. But that's also the type of people we are. But as we move into D coupon, uh, we're going to we're going to bounce around a lot and we'll uh, we'll go one choice at a time. And so I'm going to have uh, I'm going to have Tony give us your first choice for a D coupon. Okay, first, I need help with from Michael because, you know, I'm following you from ride to ride, number one. But number two, <laughs> since you were there with the railroad, am I allowed to get off and get back on like Amtrak or no with a ticket? Do I get do I have with one the, full ride around? It's it's one full ride around, but you can I, – I don't recall when I was little if you could get on and get off like you can now. I honestly don't okay. remember. Yeah, because I'm wondering, but, and see now, there are a listener I'm sure knows. But, okay, so, because I was trying to beat the system, you know, like I could get off, get back on, and have a all-day ride, which probably isn't how it worked. But yeah, I will probably go ahead not. And pick, yeah, but I'm just, you know, that's my mind. Can I beat the system? Uh, I'm still going to pick the Main Street Disneyland Railroad trains to Grand Canyon and Primeval World still in 2000. I almost said 19 in 2020 primeval world is still cool. So I can't imagine how cool it was back in 67. I also like the fact that Walt's a train guy. So I'm doing Walt justice on that ride. Also the fact that it's a long ride. So I'm getting minutes for my ticket and that I get to see the whole park by going all the way through. I'm assuming if I get to go all the way around, um, so I 
still like the railroad today. And I think in terms of minutes per cent spent on tickets and the, um, the relaxing nature of it, but yet you also get to see the Grand Canyon and the primeval world. And I've got the spiel stuck in my head right now, but um, that would be one of my rights. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just jump on that bandwagon and I will join you for a ride on it as well too, uh, for literally all the reasons that, that you said, but then also the fact that this is still relatively new in 1967. And so maybe it's the first time I, I've gotten to see it since it's been, been added to Disneyland. So that makes it even more special. And I mean, dinosaurs, do you really need to say much more than that? So, yeah, it's it has to be one of my choices. But Michael, what about you? Well, since I'm already in Frontierland, having gotten off the Mike Finn keelboats, I'm going to stay right there and I'm going to take a ride on the mine train through nature's wonderland because I this was another one of my must do uh, attractions when I was a boy all through until it, it finally closed down. And, and this is basically a train version of the Jungle Cruise. But instead of sailing through the world's jungles, you know, you chug through North America, you know, and it was inspired by Disney's True Life Adventure nature films of the 1950s. So Nature's Wonderland, it's home to more than 200 lifelike animated mammals, reptiles and birds. And you go through Bear Country, Beaver Valley, the Living Desert, and Rainbow Caverns. It has all the humor of Mark Davis in there, a really cute narration. And just all, it, it was just fun. And, um, you know, it made, it made Frontierland seem huge and endless because it was in this corner of the park. A lot of it was undeveloped beyond Mind Chains Through Nature's Wonderland so that it just it just seemed like it was a never ending vista, like in the old west, and so um, it was just a wonderful, wonderful little attraction. So excellent! And uh, why don't you give us your second choice as well, too? Okay, I'm going to head over to Tomorrowland, and I'm gonna I'm going to take another kind of train. I'm going to hop on board the brand new people mover and this is gliding high above the paths of tomorrowland and you know we still we it, it was just it was the, it was the icon of the land it you it was visible almost anywhere as it it wove in and out of all the little uh, uh, the interconnected buildings it's a 16 minute journey and, and the thing is unlike the magic kingdoms that that was you know sort of attached to the sides of buildings and all that. This went up and down hills and curves and into the show buildings, which ultimately brought about its demise. But you got sneak peeks of the land's attractions, and um, it was just a wonderful, wonderful attraction. And it gave such a great kinetic energy to the park, even would glide out and look into the hub and um, – you know, it, it made it was one part of what made Tomorrowland '67 so exciting, and um, I miss this so much. Seeing the empty um, trunks of you know, supporting the tracks up there, it just always makes me sad. Yeah, me too. 
for sure. Uh, Tony, are you joining Michael? Yes, and now he's calling. His mom's calling security because I'm following this this family <laughs> around. But yes, I will definitely be on the people mover. And part of the reason is I'm thinking in 67, it's this is the future. This is how we're all going to travel in the future. We're going to have people movers everywhere. And Walt was so into how things could be. And the people mover is a tangible example of if I'm in 1967, this is exciting. You, I can't believe we're doing this now. And someday, son, this is how everybody will travel. Like, you mm-hmm. know that that conversation was had in those um, compartments. So I just, I don't know that's the wrong word, but you can email Mike. Anyways, um, but um, <laughs> I'm just so excited to be in the future in 1967. And again, similar to kind of the omnibus where I can see things. I love the fact that you get that sneak peek of areas where you can't see it any other way. And I just love people mover still to this day when I'm at the magic kingdom, I have to go on people mover. And you got good views of the, the new Mary Blair murals that were in Tomorrowland as well. Nice. And I have to also choose people mover because it's, it's one of the things that I, I wish I could have had the opportunity to do more than anything else. I mean, to the point that I've said many times on this show, I would have even been thrilled to have gone on rocket rods just to have somewhat of a, <laughs> a, a close experience to what you would get from people mover. And I, I, just really hoping and wishing that one day a miracle happens and people mover is adding that kinetic energy back to Tomorrowland. I don't think it's ever going to happen, but uh, I am really, really holding out hope on it. And I, I will keep, uh, I'll keep, uh, I, I don't know what you do to make good things happen, but I will, whatever it takes, I will do that. But uh, for my final decoupon choice, I am going to uh, – I'm going to actually – I'm going to waive the fact that I'm a child in this scenario, and I'm actually going to use my decoupon on Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. I am a huge history buff in American history, all history, but you know, obviously uh, – it's easy to learn about American history when you're growing up in America and just fascinated with Lincoln and I think the chance to to see him actually in in this presentation, in this attraction, it's something that I would not want to miss. And I didn't make it to the World's Fair. Uh, it just wasn't wasn't in the cards to get there. So this is my chance to see great moments with Mr. Lincoln. And I don't think I'm going to be let down. But, uh, Tony, what about you? Well, it's 1967, and we're going to go to the moon. So I'm going to get as close as I can to experiencing that before it happens. So this is, again, kind of like People Mover, where this is the future. Okay, this is the close. I know we're going to do it. It's, we're so close. So we're going to put somebody on there. I'm going to do Flight to the Moon for that I'm thinking of myself as probably like an 11 to 13 year old kid. And this is just like, what do you, do you think this is what it's going to be like? And all that. And of course I'm thinking that that's where we're all going to live and there aren't people movers, but um, I would definitely do flight to the moon for the timeliness of it at that time. Okay. And Michael. 
Yeah, yeah. I went back and forth between great moments with Mr. Lincoln and Flight to the Moon. But, Tony, I think I'm going to be flying with you, too, because I grew up, you know, so fascinated with the space program with the Mercury and Gemini. And then the, the Apollo program was underway. We were two years away from landing on the moon. So we just believed back in those days that it was only a matter of time before we were we would all just be going back and forth on the moon. You know, the film 2001 A Space Odyssey was just going to come out in a couple more years. And we we believe that's what the future was going to look like. And the the, the, the attraction, you know, was changed um, to flight to the moon this year. And um, so this is we saw the loss of the Moonliner rocket. But it was uh, the exterior was redone with the large swooping sign because um, McDonnell Douglas had, um, you know, the, the Douglas Aircraft had merged with McDonald Aircraft to become McDonnell Douglas. So they changed the exterior and all of that stuff. And, you know, and then what was cool is, you know, the new people mover glided over the show building and through it and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, so I, I'm going to the moon. It's it's fine. I'll just sit in great moments with Mr. Lincoln alone and think about my life and all my decisions I'm going to make for for my e-ticket coupon, <laughs> I guess. And so I guess it's a good time to move on to our e-coupons, our, our final three coupons that we get in this scenario. And I'm going to to make my choice first. And I'm just going to get it out of the way because I have a feeling all three of us are going to pick it and it's pirates of the caribbean so brand new attraction mm-hmm. just i mean not that there's anything against all the other attractions that we've talked about and mentioned and even the ones that we didn't choose but when when you get on this i mean based on everything else that that you've seen into the park up to this point there is nothing quite like pirates of the caribbean and you know, it's and it takes a long time, I think, to to really get anything that you could even say that tops it. And for some people, nothing will ever top that first time of going on Pirates of the Caribbean. And I I totally understand it. So I'm hopping aboard a boat and I'm going down the waterfall. And eventually, I'll go back up. But I'm seeing pirates along the way. So, is anyone in with me on this, or am I alone? Uh- no, I'm going with you, and I'm I'm going to see pirates chasing women, and I'm going to see the auction scene, and all that. So I'm looking forward to it. I will be there as well. I mean, it's brand new, and what's crazy is thinking now how much of the technology is the same, and it's still amazing. So I can't imagine how much more amazed I would have been back then where that wasn't even a popular, a a thing that now in 2020, we know about animatronics and what they do and all that. But back then it would have been so real and so amazing. And it's still amazing now. So I can't, I'm getting all excited thinking about going on it and not knowing what to expect. (laughs) And I'm going to get some people upset probably, but, as someone who now lives in Florida and goes to the Magic Kingdom all the time and don't go to Disneyland like I used to, the Disneyland one is by far so superior with those drops and everything. And so, yes, definitely the Disneyland Pirates of the Caribbean. 
Very good choices by all of us uh, on that one. Uh, I feel like we would have saved it for our last ride, but uh, it, it was clearly the one that we are all going to choose. But now we have very difficult choices. I think we all know one more that Michael's going to choose. Uh, so, Michael, do you want to do you want to talk about what you would do next? Yeah, well, I, I assume you think I'm going to Fantasyland, but actually, I'm going to go on. I'm going back to Nature's Wonderland. I'm going on the pack mule through Nature's Wonderland this time. Oh. Um, get a whole. I'm going to get a. I have fond memories of this. One of the first photos I have, oldest photos I have of myself in Disneyland is I'm like not even two years old, and I'm on a pack mule with my mother, who, of course, she's in a dress. You know, pleated skirt, <laughs> you know, and all that stuff. And I guess that's how they all dressed back in those days. And um, and I, this is just fun. You know, in all the Disney parks, the mule rides, they were unique to Disneyland. They were never anywhere else. And it, you never knew what your mule was going to do, if it was going to cooperate. I was on an uncooperative mule before who just decided you know he he had worked long enough and um, he wasn't going any further and we were halfway through the ride and um it's just fun i don't know i i enjoyed it and you just sort of plod along and you know you and you a lot of times you were above you know going over you know like arches rock arches and all that so you were look really looking even down over the train as it went through the nature's wonderland so so that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna ride a pack mule well you had me surprised there but tony what's your next one Mm -hmm. i guess the extreme opposite of riding a pack mule would be going on a monorail and i think i tried to mix it up compared to last time but i can't ever leave the monorail if i can go on the monorail i'm going to go on the monorail from when it opened to if we ever do a disneyland show for the year 2100 i'm still riding the monorail and especially because i get to go to the disneyland hotel and return so i get to have a little break go to the hotel and then get back on it it's like double ride but i just adore the monorail and again maybe it's that future transportation piece that i like and i'm still sad that there's not monorails all over the place um but I love the monorail, and that would definitely be the one I would choose. I would actually choose it as well, too. But uh, am I allowed to choose it as my final ride of actually after Pirates of the Caribbean as my final ride of the day? And I'm just going to take the monorail to Disneyland Hotel and then enjoy a, a nice sleep overnight at the Disneyland Hotel. But I'm, I'm choosing. Wow, that's yeah. I'm just extra. telling you guys. Like I didn't know I could stay at the hotel too. You know, so that's that kind of. Yeah, now I'm really jealous of your your e ticket because yeah. you got to go stay at the hotel. <laughs> well, if Michael wanted balloons. I wanted the hotel across the street. <laughs> <laughs> In this world, we can we can have whatever we choose to want. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the monorail to Disneyland Hotel and stay the night and. Yeah, that's that's my dream. But uh, for my my final e ticket coupon, though, I'm I'm gonna have to go with Enchanted Tiki Room. So I feel like uh, 
1967, no better time for, for tiki culture uh, than, than you know, the years before it. And even nowadays, uh, tiki culture is alive and thriving uh, more than more than it was when I was growing up. And I just, I feel like seeing the birds there, even though they're, they're not old at that point, but you know they're 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 veterans of Disneyland for a little while there. I think it's still going to just be, not to borrow from the name, but I think it's going to be enchanting sitting there and and watching their <laughs> show. So uh, it it pains me not to say Matterhorn or Small World, but I yeah for me Enchanted Tiki Room and just the music's going to take me away. But Tony, what's your last choice? Well, now I have to change to something I can sleep in. So I'm going to pick Matterhorn bobsleds because I'm going to go up there in that little area where the basketball court is. And I'm going to go sleep there. There. <laughs> see, that's fair. Now I can do it. But um, no, I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go on Matterhorn just because I love, I love that ride still. I like that you're inside and outside. And what's interesting is when we do these shows, it makes me appreciate rides that I don't always go on more because I'm actually kind of thinking about them from back then, or I have to have something to say about the ride. So you, I, you really think about the ride. And as someone who's been to Disneyland hundreds of times and been to the Magic Kingdom hundreds of times, you sometimes forget. And I think doing the show, when I think about Matterhorn, oh, I'm not going to go Matterhorn this time. Too long of a line. But real wait, you do get to go inside and outside. And at the end, there's that little water shooting up. And then there's the scary part. And it's you're in a mountain and you're about like, there's so many different layers that I think makes that ride a fun, great ride that I appreciate when I'm looking back at it from this perspective. So definitely the Matterhorn bobsleds. bobsleds. Good choice. And Michael, finish us off. I'm good. I'm going to take a different form of transportation than both of you. I'm going to go on a voyage in liquid space. I'm going to go on the submarine voyage. And this is very different from the one we have now with Nemo and his little buddies. Uh, this, they tried to make this a more realistic, uh, you know, uh, submarine voyage, uh, a big chunk of this ride simulated the voyage under the Arctic Ocean's polar ice cap that the original nuclear submarine, the USS Nautilus, did on August 3rd, 1958. But along the way, we encounter a ship's graveyard, we we float on by the lost continent of Atlantis, and we even encounter mermaids and a sea serpent. And if we're lucky, you know, because from the summer of 1965 to the summer of 67, live mermaids could be seen for four hours a day on the rocks in the middle of the lagoon. You sold me. I just don't have any extra tickets and I'm out of money. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's expensive to stay at a Disneyland hotel. Yeah. And well, that was great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's well. We're all out of ticket books. I think we had a, or out of coupons. I think we had a good day, though. I I think so for sure. So I enjoyed my day, and I'm having a comfortable sleep, and wake up, and the magic is still so close by me. 
Yeah. And and if and we'll end our day. Of course we we are all gonna go on adventures through inner space because it's free and and you know, get shrunk to the you know, to the size of a snowflake and beyond. And then and if we're lucky we'll be able to watch fantasy in the sky before we um head off to you know i'll be sleeping in the uh in the treehouse craig you at the design hotel and tony you on the cold floor of a of a half basketball court (laughs) (laughs) okay good but the question is i think you'll be escorted out by security sooner than i will because i can kind of hide where you're gonna well no but you're gonna be up high that's a good question who would be able who has last longer in the, the hiding places. Yeah, really. So, well, we will find out. <laughs> anyway, but you know what? Now, even though we went back to 1967, now it is time. We're still going to go back in time. We're going to go back and see what happened this week in Disney history. Well, you know, since we have Tony with us as a guest, we're going to uh, we're going to go back to one of the formats that we have used off and on for this week in Disney history, where it's a competition, and so uh, and so, what's going to happen is is there's this is going to be a it's going to be a competition where we're going to I'm going to be asking questions of Tony and Craig. And it's going to be multiple choice. And then um, there'll be points based on how well they answer the questions. So I'm going to run through the rules because it's been a long time since we've done this. So, So gentlemen, if you choose not to hear the multiple choice options, you will receive three points for a correct answer. If you choose to hear the multiple choice options, you will receive two points for the correct answer. If you ask me to remove an incorrect option, you will receive one point for a correct answer. Now, if you, let's say you answer a question incorrectly, your opponent can steal the question and and if they answer it correctly, they will get one point. Now, there might be a question that has an opportunity to earn a bonus point. You will earn one point for any bonus question correctly answered. In the event of a tie, there will be a tiebreaker question. You might find having a pencil and paper you know, nearby helpful for the bonus questions. So, so any questions about the rules? I think I'm good. Man, I think my money's on Craig, but, you know, we'll see. We'll it's see. been so long since okay. I've had to do this format that I don't know if I know how to do it anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just have – I always would lose track of whose turn it was. So hopefully I'm going to remember this. So you, you'll have to keep me on the straight and narrow if I go wrong with it, especially as people steal the questions and all that stuff. So anyway, so – so, Tony, since you are our guest, you will be given the option. Do you want to answer the first question or do you want to pass it to Craig? I want to pass it to Craig. Okay. All right. So, Craig, for January 19th, 
Lillian Bounds from Idaho, who's the future wife of Walt Disney, started working at the Disney Brothers Studio on January 19th, 1924. What position did she hold? Was it A, Executive Secretary to Walt oh, Disney? Uh, hey, hey, hey. B? Hey, hey, hey. I, w- I didn't need multiple choice. He didn't need it. Oh, I'm Stop sorry. Like okay, <laughs> go ahead. She was an I'm ink sorry. and paint girl. You're absolutely right. She worked for the Disney Brothers. Thanks. See, I already forgot the rules. As an ink and paint girl, she she made $15 a week. Now, Lillian had been recommended by her sister's friend, who is also an employer employee. Um, she'd taken a job because it is within walking distance of her older sister Hazel's house, where she's currently living, and it doesn't require her to spend bus fare. So very good. Craig, three points right off the bat. So now I'm just saying, not that I'm like already complaining, but you, I, I am playing against the connecting with Walt podcaster. You are where he gets the, yeah. I guess is this is this your way of making me feel bad that I don't listen religiously every week? Is this what this is? Because if that's the case, I would have binge listened every <laughs> everything last night if I would have known, and I would have been ready. Uh, but we'll so see. The, the, we'll see. The problem is I hear too much from Michael, so information has to start falling out of my head to to add in okay. new information. So I'm not as smart as I am pretty. <laughs> All righty. And see, see, Tony, now, now you have to keep up with this show. Yeah. Okay, January 20th. Walt Disney World announced the permanent closure of a popular attraction on January 20th, 2005. Open since 1976, it had last operated in November 2001. What is the attraction? I know. Give me the choices. Okay. Is it A, Discovery Island? B, the Main Street Electrical Parade? C, King Stephen's Banquet Hall in Cinderella Castle, or D, River Country? Okay, what year? This is, uh, they announced a permanent closure in 2005, but it last operated in 2001. I'm going to say, because I actually went there, and I'm just thinking of time, and I'm probably wrong, but I'm going to say the the King Stephen's Banquet Hall. Okay. Is that your final answer? That is my final answer. Okay. That is incorrect. Okay. Although it will okay. reopen later in the year as Cinderella's Royal Table. So, Craig, you have an opportunity to steal. So, your three choices are A, Discovery Island, B, the Main Street Electrical Parade, or D, River Country. In this place, I believe it is River Country. You are correct. It is River Country. Okay. All right. Yes, which is now going, it's now the site of what resort? Isn't there a DVC resort sitting on it now? Yes. Reflections. (laughs) Yes, and I'm a little frustrated because when I moved to Orlando, one of my favorite things to do was running the trail that when they started constructing the trail between uh, Fort Wilderness and Wilderness Lodge, at least I haven't done it for a year, but when they started constructing stuff, they closed that. And that made me sad. Mm. 
Yeah. So I didn't mean to bring everybody down. Well, for a lot of people, River Country, being reminded it's closed, it brought them down. Okay. All right. Well, now, Craig, I believe it's your turn now. So you have four points. Tony, you have a lot of opportunity to move up. Thank Um, you. January 21st, a special send-off celebration took place at Disney's Hollywood Studio for Minnie Mouse on January 21st, 2018. Where was Minnie Mouse going? Oh, I should know this because I was alive then. Uh, Give me multiple choice. And you're a big fan. You're a big fan of Minnie Mouse, too. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, a, Hong, because she is a fashionista. Yeah. Uh, a fashion um, a, icon. Hong, fashion icon, that's it, yes. A, Hong Kong for the opening of a Minnie Mouse exhibition by the Walt Disney Archives. B, Hollywood, California to receive a star on Hollywood's Walk of Fame. C, the Dooney and Burke headquarters in California for the launch of a new line of Minnie Mouse handbags and accessories. Or D, Disney Cruise Lines in Cape Canaveral, Florida, for her debut as Captain Minnie Mouse. Can you give me them one more time? I'm so sorry. Sure. No, that's okay. It's A, Hong Kong for the opening of a Minnie Mouse exhibition by the Walt Disney Archives. B, Hollywood, California, to receive a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. C, the Dooney and Burke headquarters in California for the launch of a new line of Minnie Mouse handbags and accessories. D, Disney Cruise Lines in Cape Canaveral, Florida, for her debut as Captain Minnie Mouse. See, I want to say that, I know, I thought Captain Minnie was 2019, and I know she got a star on the Walk of Fame at sometime in 2018. And I'm going to go with the Walk of Fame, I think. Good choice. You're right. Mickey's favorite girl is headed to California. She will be receiving a star on Hollywood's Walk of Fame the following day on January 22nd. Her star will be unveiled at 11.30 a.m. in celebration of her 90th anniversary. And so you get two points for that. There is a bonus question. If you can answer this, you get an extra point. Where is her star located? Oh, it beats me. Okay. Tony, for a point, do you know where Minnie Mouse's star is on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? I could cheat and look it up, but I have no, no idea. No, you can't look it up. <laughs> okay. It's at 6834 Hollywood Boulevard, right in front of the El Capitan Theater. Owned by Disney. I would have made now sense. If you say that, sense. that makes sense. But, yeah, mm-hmm. without the analysts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alrighty, great. So, Craig, six points. Tony, this is your chance. I feel it. This here well, you go. I've decided already. My strategy is going to be go straight to give me the least amount of points, so I can at least save <laughs> face and get one point. So, I think I've got. I forgot that I had that in my back. Well, no, because that wouldn't actually save face if I still get it wrong. So, this could go either way. Okay. 
Let's see how you do for January 22nd. Disney Parks announced on January 22nd, 2019, that an eighth-themed land will be coming to Shanghai Disneyland Park in China. What film will this land be based on? I think I have an outside chance to do it without the multiple choice. But Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask for the multiple choice because it is 2019 and I think I know part of me wants to just go for it and say, who cares? But um, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to say Zootopia. Very good. You are correct. It is Zootopia. And this... This land will be adjacent. (laughs) And it will be adjacent to Fantasyland. It will be an immersive mammal metropolis. And construction began um, in December of 2019. Of course, I don't think they've really announced what's going to be in it. Just that it's going to be immersive and it's going to have restaurants and things and it's going to be interactive and all that. Yeah. 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 Okay, January 23rd. Craig, back to you. Now, Tony's halfway to you now. It's six to three. Um, okay, a new attraction officially opened at the Disneyland Resort on January 23rd, 2006. What is the name of the attraction? Uh, multiple choice, please. Okay. A, the Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage at Disneyland. Or B, Tower of Terror at Disney's California Adventure, or C, Mike Monsters Inc. Mike and Sully to the Rescue at Disney's California Adventure, or D, Pirates Lair on Tom Sawyer Island at Disneyland. Yeah, uh, none of these. Yeah, are... you made that hard. I thought, okay, I have an idea, and then he gives all ones were that would make sense. That's about that time. <laughs> exactly. That's I I'm really thrown off at this point with it. Uh maybe maybe Pirate's Lair cuz that feels like something that would be cheap and easy to throw in to kind of get off all the the pirates blow up that happened in 2005. So maybe Pirate's Lair. Is that your final answer? That's what you say when I got it wrong, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I shouldn't give myself away. <laughs> um, yeah, That was cheap and easy, and they opened it in 2007. So it's not mm. Pirate's Lair. So, Tony, you have a chance to steal. Okay. What opened and on January 23rd, 2006? Was it the Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage at Disneyland? Tower of Terror at Disney's California Adventure or Monsters, Inc., Mike and Sully to the Rescue at Disney's California Adventure. Okay. Oh, this is at Disney's California Adventure is what you... Oh, no. It's at either ride. Okay. I was like, oh, trick question. I figured it out. Um, So it can be at either park. Correct. I've got to go with, okay, how old was my son in that year and what did we go on in that year? And for some reason, and I'm probably wrong. Hey, I got to think. Did he go? Like, I'm thinking, did he go on that ride with me when it first opened? Or was he around? Or was he not around? Or was he too little? Like, that's that's my only hope here. Because I think all three are great answers. Um, No. um, 
Hey, I'm not going to, I'm just going to say, I think, and my logic could be totally wrong. I don't think it's tower of terror because I feel like that was like the first thing they threw in once they realized one of their mistakes of (laughs) the many. And so I, I swear, I remember that being pretty quickly put there. So I'm not going to say that one. 2006. I, I'm going to say Nemo. Okay, you were correct. The Tower of Terror did open early. It was 2004. But Nemo didn't open to 2007. It was actually Monsters, Inc., Mike and Sully to the rescue. It it rescued the infamous uh, Superstar Limo attraction. Yes, it replaced I that one. That right. Yes. And this attraction offers a slow taxi cab ride through the city of Metropolis. Okay. I'm proud. We really screwed All up that right. question. <laughs> so, it was hard. Okay. Um, but, Tony, now it's it's your turn for January 24th. A Disney director and animator was born in Chicago, Illinois, on January 24th, 1906. He contributed to 11 animated features and countless early Mickey and Silly Symphony shorts. It was this Disney legend who helped devise a method of synchronizing animation with music by using a metronome to mark time that could then be converted to a music track. Who is he? Well, I know no one can see my bodily reaction when you said a Disney animator. My shoulders just sunk like, oh, really? Where's my Zootopia? So please give me multiple choice. Okay. And they're all going to be ones that they could be. You're not going to say some random fake name. So go ahead. No, I'm not going to say like Joe Animator. No. Um, okay. Okay. Was it A, Carl Stalling, B, Ub Iwerks, C, Wilfred Jackson, or D, Les Clark? I'm going to go for the one point, get rid of one of them get for me, and see what okay. I'm down to. Okay, I will get rid of Carl Stalling, because he was a music composer. Okay, so who do we, give me my choices again? Please. We have Ub Iwerks, Wilfred Jackson, or Les Clark. I don't think it's Iwerks, so now I'm down to two, and I don't know. So I'm going to go with Clark. Why not? Why not? Because it was Wilfred Jackson. <laughs> oh, that's how uh, that's how fifty fifties work. I know it. It is. It is. And and Wilfred Jackson is best known for his work on the Mickey Mouse and Silly Symphony series of cartoons. He also did the Night on Bald Mountain and Ave Maria segment of Fantasia. He was instrumental, like I said, in developing the system that Walt. Um, used to add music and sound to Steamboat Willie. Uh, several symphony shorts that he directed, including The Old Mill, won Academy Awards during the 1930s. He started with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in 1937 by directing sequences in many of the major Disney animated features up to Lady and the Tramp in 1955. He did all of the animated sequences in Song of the South, which is why it's such a shame that we... Um, you know, we don't have visibility to that film because what he did was amazing. Um, he later moved into television, producing and directing for Walt's um, Disneyland series. So definitely a, a name that should be remembered. Okay. And our last day of the week, Craig, it's to you. Um, January 25th. 
actor Dean Jones, best known for his lighthearted leading role in several Walt Disney films between 1965 and 1977, was born in Morgan City, Alabama on January 25th, 1931. It was his role in a 1963 film that brought Jones to the attention of Walt Disney. What is the name of that 1963 film? Let's go ahead and do multiple choice, please. Okay. Was it A, Under the Yum Yum Tree? B, Ensign O'Toole? C, The New Interns? Or D, Designing Women? I will take away an incorrect answer. Okay. I will remove Ensign O'Toole because that was actually an NBC television comedy that was a lead in the Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color that Jones was in. Okay. Then I'm... Do you I want mean, me to run through the other three? I, you said designing women, new intern, and a yum-yum thing. Under the yum-yum tree. Okay. I'm... I'm going to go, I think, with the new intern. Okay. That was a wonderful 1964 film. So, um, so Tony, it goes over to you. You can steal this for a point. It's, was it, did Walt see him in Under the Yum Yum Tree, or did he see Jones in Designing Women? As much as I wish Zootopia was an answer, because I'm a one-trick pony, I need my one thing, but... I, I'm picking this because I have no idea, but I just love the name under the yum yum tree. So let's go with that one. You're correct. All yeah. right. This and this starred Jack Lemon. And interestingly, uh, this was first a Broadway um, show, and Dean Jones played David Manning in both the Broadway version as well as the film version. So. And Walt wanted to see under the yum yum tree because he wanted to see he wanted to know know more about the actor that was the lead in to his show on television. And then when he saw Dean Jones in under the yum yum tree, he knew he wanted Dean Jones to work for him. So, so not bad, you guys. Uh, Craig, you you squeaked by with six to Tony's four. So, Tony, very respectable. Thank God for Zootopia. <laughs> and it was it's, recent. That helped. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you just never know what you know what what's going to save you. <laughs> so, anyway, so good job. Right. Well, you know, this was a lot of fun going back in time to one of my favorite eras of Disneyland, 1967. 69 was probably my most favorite because Haunted Mansion would have been open along with all these other attractions. But, um, but you know, still, maybe that's that's another time we'll visit in the future. So, so Tony, what is so? Uh, have you? Do you have any plan, Disney plans in your future now that we've gone into the past? Well, 
I'd go to Disney World as often as I can. I was living in Orlando. I'm mean, moving a little bit, still in Florida, but I need to go to Disney. Well, actually, I'm going to go there probably this weekend. And I usually, when I go, to be honest, I I like eating at the restaurants. So because I'm moving away from Orlando, I might try to do one last uh, Kona Cafe macadamia nut pancakes and Kona coffee mm-hmm. breakfast <laughs> before I'm not before I don't have unlimited access to it. Mm-hmm. And are are I, you with, going to be within a decent drive of, I don't know Florida oh, that well, well. It'll, it'll be like seven hour drive. So it's oh. more like I have to think about it, but, um, cause if it was an hour, oh, I'd go for breakfast just for that. But, um, so of, it's like me the, driving to Disneyland. Yes. So it okay. has to be, I have to think about it now and be more mm-hmm. on the weekends. But I finally got my DVC points back that I'd, used all up because i have like three so um i can do another um park but i haven't been to um i i don't want to deal with rise of the resistance currently because of that madhouse but i've i've been i i think that's on the horizon soon so i just love it there i'm sorry i'm a little (laughs) sad that i gotta move from there but i'll be back um the purple signs just make me happy just the purple sign. Once I get on and I know that I'm in the enclosure of, of the Disney, I love it. So, And what's funny is now that I've moved to the East Coast and I used to make fun of everyone for calling it Disney, now I call it Disney. And I don't say Disney World. Oh, I'm going to go to Disney. So, Oh, see, I, I still finally, I call it Walt Disney World. I give it its yeah, full name. Because Roy I've used been, to get mad when people just called it Disney World. Well, now that you've said that, okay, I'm going to start saying that again. Thank you. You're I've welcome. Been wrong. I, I was wrong. <laughs> I need to do it the right way. That's right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I hope that uh, you'll be back as we go back in time again. We might even go back in time to the Magic Kingdom or Epcot. You never know. There's a. Well, I'm excited know. now, especially if we start moving up to where I was there. That would be mm-hmm. exciting. But even so, I love doing this. And like I said, when I was on the Matterhorn, one of the things I like about doing this is it makes me look at things in more detail and appreciate rides and attractions that maybe I sometimes don't appreciate as well as I should. Good. Great. Well, we'll look forward to having you next time. I did use a couple of websites in researching uh, 1967 ticket books um the websites i used were jan's world and vintage disneyland tickets craig will have those in our um, show notes so craig until next time where can our listeners connect with you on the dis unplugged network of shows you can find me on all the random shows that i'm on this one of course walt disney world edition universal edition best and worst of walt disney world i lost track of it all uh, i think by the time that this comes out we'll have a disney cruise line show as well too so you might see me pop up on there and uh but of course the shows you just watch me if you actually want to connect with me you can anytime on social media facebook twitter and instagram at teleclaster what about you michael well you can send me messages at michael at wdd at michael at wdwinfo.com or Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. On Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. Uh, but check, uh, be sure you like the 
connect the one with the connecting with Walt banner. I'm getting a lot of new friends on my personal page, but I don't put a lot of Disney stuff on there. But a memory popped up that you'd be interested in, Tony. It was seven years ago this week that I made my first appearance as a guest correspondence on the classic Dis Unplugged um, Disneyland show. That's amazing. It's been that long. I know. Oh, I'm sad. I know it was. I talked about the Snow White exhibition at uh, the Walt Disney Family Museum. So, and then a couple weeks later, I was invited on again, and I, I did not realize it at the time, but I was being auditioned. And then a couple weeks later, I was invited to be a full member of the team. So, anyway, so that the was good cool. Old days. The good old days, yeah. So, okay. Uh, so anyway, so look for me on Facebook at Michael Bowling, Instagram at Michael Bowling the Diz, and you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter at Connecting Walt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disunplug.com or check out the link Craig always puts in our show notes and look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. Thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember... I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. Roy.